Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person find a life full of freedom and purpose through Jesus. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. It's a privilege to worship with you today. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be in the house. I'm giving the word today. Uh, Pastor Josh is away on a golf retreat, and he's probably hitting tea time about now, uh, drinking on uh, a sweet tea. And so I'll be in prayer for him. I'm just kidding, y'all. He's preaching somewhere else, man. He's, I don't even think Pastor Josh can golf, so I'm just messing. He, uh, he is preaching at Soul Church, which is one of our partner churches, and so do be in prayer for him. He should be preaching right about now. Their service starts at 10 o'clock, and so we're thinking about him and praying for him this morning. Um, if you were with us last week and the weeks before that, we, we had been in a series called You and Me. Um, and next week, uh, when Pastor Josh comes back, we'll be starting a new series. But today, I'm going to be sharing something with you that has kind of been on my heart, uh, a verse that's kind of been on my heart the last couple of days and weeks and months. And, and it's kind of just been, I've, rest, I've been wrestling with it. And sometimes you do that with Scripture. You come across something, and it strikes you, and, and you can't let it go. It burdens your heart. And so that's what I want to talk about Today, So if you're new here, it's so good to see you, and, and we're so glad to have you and, and welcome you into our home. That's what we call it. Like uh, Pastor Brooks said earlier, we see ourselves as a family. We are. We're God's family, and so we're glad that you're here. And if you are listening to this podcast on Spotify or iTunes, we're so glad you're listening. If you hadn't checked that out already, you definitely should because you can get all of the past messages and catch up. We know that uh, summertime, you know, we like to vacation. We like to go different places and do different things, spend time with our family. So if there's a Sunday that you miss, you can check that out and catch up with us. Today, though, we're going to be in the Gospel of John. And I'm excited about that because John is such a good, good gospel. Um, it is one of four gospels, but it kind of stands alone. It's a little bit different than the other three. The other three kind of give you an account of what took place when Jesus walked the earth. And John does that, but it comes at it at a different angle. At the end of John, you'll see that he says, I'm writing you this letter so that you believe. It's not just an account of what took place, but I'm writing this with a purpose so that you believe. So we're going to look at John 15, and I want to open up with this verse right here. John 15, 26. Now, what we're about to read is Jesus is speaking to his disciples he is prepping them, preparing them for the moment, the day, when he is no longer with them. Soon, after these verses, Jesus will give up his life, and he will take up the cross, give up his life. He will come back to life. He will spend a few days with his disciples, and then, like he's been telling them this whole time, he's going to be back with the Father. But he gives them some good news. He's sending the Holy Spirit, or as we'll see, um, another word for the Holy Spirit is the Helper. So let's read that together. John 15, 26, But when the Helper comes, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, another name for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, who comes from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Verse 27, And you also, disciples, will bear witness about me. Two things, Holy Spirit's coming to bear witness about me to you, and then the Holy Spirit is coming to bear witness through you. That's two things that are happening. And so today, the title of my message is, Can I Get a Witness? 
Can I get a witness? That is the name, the title of today's message. In some churches, in some churches, if I were to say that, that's an invitation for somebody to come up and talk about how God has been working in their life. Now, I'm not going to do that this morning, but that's what a witness is. Somebody who shares an account about an event or something that has taken place. And so I believe in my heart, and I feel like this in my heart, that, that God, that, that Jesus is asking this question, can I get a witness in 2019? Can I get somebody, can I get somebody to share about what I've done on the earth? Can I get somebody to share about the work that I've done? Can I get somebody to share about what I'm continuing to do in 2019? I know 2019 is, is, is a hairy uh, a season of time. I mean, it, it's hard. You don't want to offend anybody. You, you don't want to say the wrong thing. And so, you know, it's hard to kind of navigate those waters. But, but Jesus is saying, my truth is my truth. And I want somebody to step up. And I want people to step up and be a witness of the things that I've done through the Spirit of truth. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. We thank you for this time together today. Lord, we are eager to look into your word, to see what it says, God. Would you challenge our hearts and our minds today, God? Would you open up our minds, God, in these few minutes? God, would you just help us to be attentive to your Holy Spirit that is nudging us today, Lord? Would you help us to just open up our hearts for your word, God? And would you let it take root today? God, we love you, and we thank you for this time together, and we thank you for the privilege of being able to do this, to worship in your house, God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Now, when I was younger, when I was younger, my friends and I would always try to outdo each other. And maybe you have experienced that too. I don't know if it's just a guy thing or something like that, but like when I was with my boys, when I was with my friends, or when I was with like my brothers, like we would always have to one-up one another. And so if I were to jump like a really big ditch, they'd have to go find a bigger ditch to jump. Or if, um, if, if I were to shoot a half-court shot, then they'd have to spend all day from the other side of the court shooting a shot just to outdo me, right? And, you know, guys are, are crazy. I mean, we, we try to outdo one another. We want to be better than the other person. And, and, there's, and there's one rule involved in this, okay, in these instances. If nobody sees it, it didn't happen, right? you got to have a witness. You can't just say one day, you remember that shot you made? Well, guess what? I went back the other day, and I made one bigger than that. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't believe you. But if somebody else comes up on the scene and was like, yeah, bro, <laughs> I saw a man. It was pretty cool. Then all of a sudden, your story is legitimate. Now, I have had some moments in my life that you have to be there to believe it. One that sticks out in my mind the most is um, the, the craziest moments of travel that I've ever had is Leah and I were riding with one of our friends down 795, and we were going 70 miles per hour. We, we were riding in his, in his Honda, and as we're riding down the road, all of a sudden, we, we hear this noise that I can't even describe. I don't even know what. It sounds like a rocket taking off from the car. And we hear this terrible noise. And we're like, what in the heck is that? Well, he has a sunroof, all right? And it's glass. And it's got like a little shade that you can pull over top of it so that the sun's not beating down on you. Well, anyways, that shade was pulled forward. And we hear this, this loud noise. We look at each other kind of freaking out. 
when it feels like it's happening in slow motion. We look around and we look behind us and in the air is his glass sunroof flying through the air. And this black Suburban's behind us and it swerves and then all of a sudden it shatters on the road and this Suburban light is driving up beside us, honking its horn like, you know, we did that on purpose or something. And so anyways, we look at each other and, and, and we don't know what to do but, but, but laugh. I mean, what the heck just happened? How does a sunroof come out of a car like that? I've never seen anything like that in my life. And the ironic thing is the insurance company had never heard about anything like that. So when he tried to file that claim, they didn't accept it. They didn't believe it. I mean, you had to be there to believe it. And, you know, I think that faith can kind of be the same way. It's hard for people to believe something that they can't see. Which is why I believe when it comes to following Jesus Christ, the hardest part is not reading your Bible or praying or giving or going to church. No, the hardest thing about following Christ is witnessing. The hardest thing about following Christ, I don't know what it is, is is simply talking about him in, in, in circles that are not this circle, like in a church where you kind of feel at liberty to talk about it because you're all here for the same reason for the most part. It's tough to talk about Christ. We're 2,000 years removed from when Christ walked the earth. And so we, we don't really like have any like tangible proof that he was here. And so it's hard to share that with somebody else. But as a follower of Jesus, you know what he did in your life. And sometimes that's hard to put into words. And as a follower of Jesus, you want to share. Like, you want to have that conversation that leads somebody to following Jesus. Like, you want to walk up to that stranger and you want to tell them. Maybe you felt that in your heart before. Like, maybe you felt something inside of you that said, hey, walk over to that person and tell them about me. Or walk over to that person and simply just talk to them. Maybe you felt that in your heart before, but you've kind of been nervous and you're just like, ah, I don't know how they're going to respond to that. It's tough. It's tough to witness. Because... It's not like we can like point to a physical cross and be like, this is where it happened. It's not like there's this museum of all these artifacts with Jesus. I mean, it's just not. And so it's difficult to share with the people around us about who Jesus is. And so we look back on biblical characters and we say, oh, oh man, they had it easy. They had it real easy because they got to walk with Jesus. But when you really think about it, like there's only just a handful of people really, like just a small group of people, just a small generation of people on the, in the timeline of earth who have ever walked with Jesus. Okay, so we're on this timeline of knowing about Jesus, knowing about the Messiah, But what about the people before that? You know, there's people, generations, that they spent their life talking about the coming of this Messiah who would save the world, who would bring redemption and healing, who would be God's very son coming to earth. But they never had the opportunity to see him. All they had was a promise that he was coming, and that's what they had to work with. And so that's why I think it's really interesting This character named John the Baptist kind of experiences both worlds. You got this guy named John the Baptist who is sent by God to tell the world that the Messiah is coming. Like the Messiah is on the way, on the way. And he goes out and he spends his life proclaiming that the Messiah is on the way and coming and, and that people need to get ready and things like that. But he doesn't really see the Messiah. He's operating in faith. He's operating on a promise, but then 
one day comes when all of a sudden, and we see this in John chapter 1, Jesus, the Messiah, is revealed. And John the Baptist gets to lay eyes on him. And for, for the first time, this person that John has been talking about, and he's been hyping up, and he's been trying to tell everybody about and trying to corral everybody to, hey, listen, he's coming, get ready, he's coming, he's, get ready, he's here. And then he has one of the greatest opportunities in the world. He gets to lead like the very first people to Jesus. So over the course of his time of, of walking the earth, John the Baptist, before Jesus comes, he had some disciples. Like he had some pupils, some students. That's what that word means. And we pick up in John chapter 1, verse 35, and it says the next day. This is the day after Jesus is revealed. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they peaced out. They said, all right, John, see you later, man. They followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what, what, are, you, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where, where are you staying at? Because we want to know, like, where, where, are you, where are you staying at? He said to them, come and you'll see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, and it was about the 10th hour. Can you imagine that? Slumber party with Jesus? That's crazy. That's what these guys get to experience. And it says, one of the two of these disciples, heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. One of those guys, his name was Andrew. This is what he does. In a response of hearing about Jesus, this is what he does. He's Simon Peter's brother. You've heard that guy, I'm sure. You've heard that name before. I mean, Peter is all up in the Gospels. He's all up in the New Testament. He's the guy that walked on water. He's the guy that was reinstated after he um, denied Christ and Christ came back to life. And, and he's like, hey, Peter, you are the one I'm going to build my church on. You are the rock I'm going to build my church on. Peter is a huge character. And Andrew is his brother. Andrew's the first to hear about the Messiah. And this is what he does. It says that he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we found him. We found the Messiah which means Christ, and it says he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And when I read that, that blows my mind because I think about that, and I'm like, what if John the Baptist just had an off day and he wouldn't have never told those two disciples that that was Jesus? I think about what if, what if Andrew was like, man, I just kind of want to keep this info to myself. I kind of got the inside loop. Jesus the Messiah is here. I'm going to try to make him my boy and make my brother jealous. No, he goes to his brother Peter, and he says, hey, he's here, man. And I think about if he had not done that, then so much of the New Testament would be missing. I mean, Peter made such a huge impact. A lot of us are sitting here today because of the impact that Peter made 2,000 years ago. And it could have all been for nothing if John wouldn't have been faithful and walked in that promise. And then if he wouldn't have told Andrew and if Andrew wouldn't have told his brother. Verse 43 says, the next day after that, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip. He found this guy named Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip, he was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip, this guy, after Jesus finds him, he found Nathanael and said to him, hey, man, we found him. 
the one in whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, wait, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. You just got to check this out for yourself. Have you noticed a pattern here? The author of the Gospel of John is trying to share something with us. He's trying to share with us the process in which God is making himself known to the world. Now, I'm thinking God is so creative, and he has everything at his disposal. And this is his son we're talking about. I don't know how many of you have ever seen Sweet 16 on MTV, right? I mean, they go out, right? Those parents, they go out for them kids. And it's like, what? Do they really need a Benz at 16, right? Like, it's 2008, and they got a 2019 Benz. How does that happen? I don't know, man. These parents, they just got money to blow on this 16th birthday. And I'm thinking, like, God could have done something like that. I mean, God could have put, like, some, some digital billboards up at that time. God could have just got on the microphone and said, Welcome, my son, Jesus, is here. He didn't do that, man. He didn't do that. What he did was is he said, you know what, I'm going to use people. And it starts out small and it starts out slow. But one by one, somebody tells somebody else. And we find out that God finds people to find other people and build their faith. And so as I look back on the timeline of my life, I look back on a crowd of people whom God has used to build my faith. They, they spent time with me. The words they gave, the invite they extended, the example they set, all of these things God did through them to bring me closer to him, to reach my heart. And you know what? As a matter of fact, you are sitting here today because somebody at some point witnessed to you. Somebody at some point told you about this guy named Jesus. Somebody found you at one point in your life and told you about Jesus. And that's why you're sitting here in this auditorium today. And I want to tell you something. Even right now, God is lining up people to use to continue to pursue your heart. Right now. Well, I mean, I'm a Christian, right? And I've been found, you know what I mean? Like, what do you mean by that? I'm saying like, no, God is still using people to reach and pursue your heart. I think about it for myself. You know, I think about when I was like seven years old and there was this guy named Ben. Um, he, he was like a year or two older than me, but we were in the same Sunday school class. And you know what, Ben, he, um, he, one day he accepted Jesus. He got baptized and I was like, hmm, that piqued my curiosity. And so, you know, he is the one that really kind of got my mind thinking because I saw my peer do it. Ben is one of those people. And then I think about my parents, you know, both of them, my mom and my dad, who actually sealed the deal. They, they, they led me to Christ, and they have discipled me, you know, throughout my childhood years. And I think about my brothers, both of them, one of them, when we were younger, he, um, he would open up the Bible and read it. Me and him shared a room and we had bunk beds and he'd be on the bottom and I'd be on the top bunk bed and and I would look down and he would be reading his Bible and I was like, huh, maybe I should do that. And so I think about my brother Joseph, my other brother, who, you know, in in the midst of 
some, some circumstances with his job and, and just trying to figure out how to navigate that. He's got a family now. What's he going to do? Like at, at, at like 11 and 12 years old, I can't remember him making the decision, you know what, I'm going to join the military. You know, I've, I've really tried all I can do to, to, to find a different place of work, and it's just not working out, but I'm, I'm going to enlist. And I just can't remember thinking, my goodness, like the faith that he has. He's so brave, man. And I think about like... Um, I think about Pastor Josh, who, you know, in the timeline of my life, me and him were both kind of being called into ministry at the same time, and me and him both, like, preached uh, some of our first sermons together, and, and I, can, I can just think about Pastor Josh and think about him as somebody in the trenches with me, somebody that I can always go to and share about things that I'm struggling with and wrestling with in faith, and I know that he'll be right there. I think about this guy named Scott. Um, he was a pastor in my life. And he was somebody who helped me to understand that I can be confident in who God has called me to be. I don't have to be anybody else. I can be Luke Davis, and God is going to use me to do incredible things. And my goodness, I could go on and on and on about the people who have made an impact in my life. I mean, the people who have done things that God has used to reach and pursue my heart. And so when I look back at my life, when I look back at the timeline of my life, I realize that the faith I have is not my own faith, but it is being built up from the faith of other people. And so this, I still got a ways to go, y'all, for real. But the foundation comes from the people that God placed in my life in the past to build me up in my faith, and he's continuing to do the same thing. And God's pursuing your heart, too. There are people in your life that maybe you don't even realize it yet. Maybe you're realizing it for the first time that God has put in your heart for you so that your faith gets built up, so that you, draw, you are drawn closer to him because God is in pursuit of you. And he uses people to do that. And just like God has used people to impact your life, you know what he wants to do? He wants to use you to impact other people's lives. A lot of times we get, we get hung up with, what does God want to do with my life? What is God's purpose for my life? You know, what does that look like? Am I doing the right thing? Am I, I just don't know. Hey, it's really not that hard. All he said was, is, hey, go and make disciples of every nation. That's what I want you to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's my commandment for you. What you do, though, that's not nearly as important. Right? You can do what makes you happy in the sense of if you like to paint, hey, go be an art teacher. If you want to be a doctor, be a doctor. If you want to be you know, a mechanic, be a mechanic. But whatever you do, do it for my glory. Because, listen, God is not so much concerned about what you're doing. He's concerned about who you're becoming. Found people, find people. That's the way I like to think about it. Found people find people. And found people find people because they want others to experience the freedom and the purpose that Jesus has given them. Let's march on, man. Let's march on. 147 through 50. First John, it says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed. You remember? You remember Nathanael's like, what good can come from Nazareth? What? Are you serious? The Messiah's here. I don't know. I don't believe it. I'll go with you, Philip. And he goes, and Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus said to him, well, before Philip called you, 
before Philip found you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? He said, man, you're going to see greater things than this. And so maybe you are a Christ follower today. Maybe somebody did find you. Maybe somebody did invite you to know Jesus Christ. But can I share something with you today? Before anybody found you, God saw you. And somebody needs to hear that this morning, that God sees you. God sees you. And you know what? Nathaniel, he wasn't leading some big charge. He wasn't some, you know, big lead uh, politician leader. He wasn't like somebody who was at the forefront, like some superstar. No, he was under a fig tree. He was just under a fig tree. And Jesus noticed him. Listen, you don't have to fight for God's attention. His attention's on you. His attention is on you. He sees you right where you are. And I know today some of you might feel like you're in the shadows. Some of you might feel the most isolated that you've ever felt in your life. Some of you might feel depressed. You might be wrestling with that. You might be wrestling with depression. You might be wrestling with the fact that why was I born? You might be thinking to yourself, you know what? If I wasn't here tomorrow, would it make a difference? Would anybody know? Yes. God sees you, and he knows you. Even if nobody else does, God sees you. And in the quietness of your time, wherever you're at, in your home or in your car, in those still moments, God's right there with you. In the chaos of your life, God's right there with you. In the celebrations of your life, God is right there with you. And he says, I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. You're the only you on this earth. You know that? There is not another person on this earth like you. God has crafted you and made you unique. And because of that, you are so valuable to him. And because of that, you are so valuable to this world. God not only sees you, but God wants to, to work through you. And you say, well, I mean, I'm... I really don't know what I have to offer. You know, I, I, I'm really not good at this or that. You know, I, I don't know if, can he use me? I mean, I don't, I don't really know. Let me tell you something right now. God is less concerned with ability and more concerned with availability. God is looking for people who will say, use me, God. I will go. God is looking for people who will say, listen, God, I want you to work in my life. I know that there's people out there that need to hear about what I've heard, that need to experience the freedom and the purpose in you, Jesus, and I want to be a part of that. I want to partner with you, God, in that process. John 1.48 says, Before Philip called you, I saw you. In other words, Jesus was waiting on Philip to make a move. Jesus saw Nathaniel, but he was waiting on Philip to make a move. And so you could ask yourself the question, well, if Jesus already saw Nathaniel, why didn't he just do it himself? And I think it's because of the process. You know, God is so gracious and is so incredible that he would allow us to be a part of his redemptive work that is happening here on the planet. And he doesn't want to just 
throw Thanos on it and snap his fingers and make it happen. No, he, he wants to use people to fulfill the purpose and the plans he has for the people around you and for this world. And the process is powerful, y'all. I mean, the process is where the growth comes from. When I lived at home and something was uh, broken, my dad would fix it. He'd go out there and he'd figure it out. He'd do it. He'd go out there and he'd fix it. And if I ever wanted to help, he'd let me help. He'd just say, yeah, come on over here. He'd let me see him. He'd let me watch him do that. Why? Because the process is important. In other words, if I want to figure out how to fix something that's broke, I should probably be paying attention to him, the one that knows how to fix it. And so in the process of fixing things and watching him, my knowledge for how to fix the broken thing grows stronger and stronger. And the same is true with our faith, and the same is true with witnessing. Hey, if God wanted to, he could tell everybody right now about Jesus Christ, the people in the most remote places in the world. But he says, you know what, I want to use people. I want my Holy Spirit to work through them so that in the process they can grow and they'll be better for it. God shares responsibility with us, allowing us to take part in the process. When I was a student pastor, we went to Belize on a missions trip, and um, one of our tasks was to go to one of the villages nearby and simply knock on doors or see people outside and and witness to them about Jesus. And so there I am with uh, a bunch of students. They're like 11th and 12th graders. And so as we're going by, I start to realize, look, you're doing a lot of talking, man. You really are. I mean, that's cool and all, but what if you just step back and just ask one of them to do it? And they did. And it was, it was awkward at first. It was tough. Because <laughs> it's not easy. I mean, it's not easy for me, right? I'm, I'm, I'm the pastor, right? Whatever that means. But as we continued on throughout the day, I started to notice that for them it got easier and easier and easier. Why? Because they were involved in the process. They were involved in the process, and as they were involved, they started to grow. They started to become more comfortable, and God really started to use them. And that's why the process is so important. And God is calling to us. God is calling you to be a part of it. So, as we close this morning, the question remains, can I get a witness? You know, Can, can I get somebody who is going to go out and, and witness about me. I feel like that's what Jesus is saying. And you know what? I'm speaking to myself this morning. It doesn't come easy for me. You know, I've been a Christian since I was seven years old. I've been in ministry for years. But it's still tough, right? But I believe that God is able. And I believe that God is powerful. And I believe that we have a helper, the Holy Spirit, who if we're willing to take that step and believe on that promise then what we sow, so to speak, the seeds that we sow, the investments that we make into people, they're not going to return void. They're not going to be in vain. There's 7.53 billion people on the planet. Did you know that? 7.53 billion people. And a lot of people are like, hey, man, you know, I heard that Jesus was going to come back at some point. Hey, it's been 2,000 years. Where's he at? Is he coming? But the Bible says that God is patient. That God is not willing that any should perish. And so he's taking his time. 
God's desire and God's will, if, if, if he could have it his way, all 7.53 billion people would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and would follow him and surrender to him and give their heart to him. But God has given that responsibility to us to reach people. And so, so many times we look at situations in our world and we're like, where is God at? When's God going to do something? Where is God in this situation? But I wonder how many times God says, where's my people at? When are they going to do something? When are they going to jump in? When, when, are, when, are they gonna, when are they really going to just interact with the world around them? I've given them a helper. I've given them my son. I've given them the resources. I will help them, but, but where are they? This morning, I'm not putting that burden on you to reach 7.53 billion people. That's pretty steep for one person. But you know what I believe? I believe that out of that 7.53 billion people, you can reach one. I believe that you can be somebody, somebody. What do you mean by that, Luke? Somebody led you to Christ. Somebody invested in you. Somebody took the time to disciple you. Somebody did. That's your someone. But I think God wants to use you to be somebody else's someone. God is wanting to use you this morning to lead somebody in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And my question to you today is, are you going to take up that responsibility? Well, Luke, I'm a little bit intimidated. I'm a little bit scared. I don't know exactly what the next step. Let me give you the next step right here. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? I have a good feeling, I have a good sense that each one of us in this room know one person that doesn't know Jesus Christ in our sphere of influence, in the circles and the routes that we run. I believe that there is at least one person that you know does not know Jesus Christ. I want you to envision that person right now. And this is the next step for today, guys. I simply want you to commit to praying for them. I simply want you to commit to praying for them that God would soften up their heart, that God would allow you to be a vessel, to, for you to be a tool for him to work through to reach that person. You can look back up at me. I, I want to I leave you with this right here. Um, don't put too much pressure on yourself. You can't control the outcome, but you can control obedience and Jesus is saying, hey, be my witness. Be my witness. Listen, it might not always work out like you think. They might not always be jiving with what you're saying, but, but do it anyway because I'm, I'm doing something that you can't see in their life. I'm building faith in their life, and I need you to be one of the people that helps build that foundation in their life. So, so even if it seems like they're rejecting you, know that it's not in vain. Know that I'm working through you and that I'm working in their heart, just like I worked in your heart. There's this other guy in the New Testament named Paul. Um, he's very, uh, a very significant person in the New Testament. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. And one of the things he says that I will never forget, he has, um, uh, you know, by this time the church has gotten bigger and it's spreading. And there's this guy named Apollos who is like, I guess you could say like a colleague or a peer um, of Paul's. And Paul is a missionary trying to spread the gospel. Apollos is a missionary trying to spread the gospel. And a lot of people are saying, just like we do, they're trying to pick favorites and they're like, oh man, I follow Apollos. Apollos is the guy, he's the dude. 
And some people are like, no, I follow Paul, man. Have you heard that guy preach? He's incredible. And Paul stops people in his tracks and he said, you know what? It ain't about Apollos. It ain't about Paul. It's about Jesus Christ. And he says, listen, let me tell you something about Apollos and me. He said, guess what? When it comes to reaching people, I may have planted the seed. But guess what? Apollos came by and he watered it. But you know where the growth comes from? Paul says the growth comes from God. There ain't nothing I can do about it. I can tell people. I can love people. And you know what? I can be intentional about how I invest in people so that maybe one day they follow Jesus. But the reality is, is God is responsible for what comes forth. So I'm sending you out today um, saying, let's be witnesses. But I'm also sending you out today saying, Don't put yourself in God's shoes. Just trust. Just trust that every single investment you make in somebody's life, particularly that one person, is doing something. And you might not see the outcome of it. It might be 10 years. It might be 20 years. I promise this is the last story I'm going to share. And then we can close. I was watching um, this pastor the other day, uh, a few weeks ago, and he was talking about his dad. He was a church planner, and he says, man, my dad, um, when they were planting a church, he and his church, they passed out all these church cards, invitations, and he gave them to this one guy. And 10 years later, that one of those people that received those cards, their life just fell apart. And anyways... They opened up their drawer, and they, I guess they had some old stuff in there. That card was still in there 10 years later, and he picked it up. He went to that church. He gave his life to Christ. Y'all, that's a 10-year-old seed. I mean, that's crazy. That's a 10-year-old investment. But my point in telling you that is it's not in vain. Would you pray with me? God, we love you so much. Whoa, we're so thankful, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for drawing us to you, God. God, there's no kind of life like life in Jesus Christ. A lot of times, circumstances don't change. Struggles don't change. A lot of things look the same, but the difference is, is that in the midst of those struggles, you're right there with me. God, that makes all the difference. I believe there's somebody here today going through some things, that they need some help, that they... Um, they feel like maybe they can't take another step forward. God, I pray that they would just surrender their hearts to you this morning. I pray that like, like these folks that we read about today, when somebody told them about Jesus, and Jesus said, come and see, and, and these, these friends, Philip, said, come and see. John the Baptist said, come and see. You got to check this out. I pray that people would come and see Jesus Christ this morning, that they would just open up their hearts to him, Lord. God, I pray that they would give their lives to him today. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. It's because of him we live a victorious life, a life not bound by sin, not defeated by death, but marked by life and life to the full. Lord, I also pray for the ones that we thought about today, the the, the one that we've been thinking about, the person that doesn't know Jesus, I pray for them right now that they would believe in you. God, I remember what Jesus said to his disciples and I remember what he prayed to you as he was about to lead them. He said, God, I pray for them that they may be one. And he says, and I pray for the people that are gonna believe in their message, Lord, that they may be one also. 
God, what's he saying? I believe he's saying, and I believe Jesus knew that this thing was going to be so much bigger, that it was going to cross many generations, Lord, that the seeds that were planted 2,000 years ago would be blooming 2,000 years later. And so, God, we just want to thank you, and we believe that you've gone ahead of us. And the people that we've prayed for, we believe that their hearts are already being softened. And, God, we believe that it's fertile soil, and that, God, whatever we plant is going to grow in your name, Jesus. That's what we declare, and that's what we ask. God, we love you, and we thank you so much for your goodness and for your grace. God, I pray that if somebody has given their life to you, they would make it known to somebody around them today, God, that they'd write it on a Connect card. If somebody made a decision today, if you've made a decision today, as you go out today, grab a Connect card and write down the decision that you made. Just drop it in the box. We want to partner with you. I believe that that's taking place today, God. God, would you send us out in your power and strength to witness to the world around us. God, we love you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening. Join us each week here on the pod or live in Durham. Keep up with us by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Rescue Church NC.